History is full of older generations complaining about younger generations, but this week's guest on No Gray Areas is a young man, and you're gonna wanna hear his story. His life is about to change, you'll hear why, and he gives us much hope about this future generation. Watch now, No Gray Areas. Christian Curtis, thank you so much for being on the No Gray Areas podcast. I'm actually really excited to have you on here. And the little bit that I've heard about you, you are proof to all of us older people that are a few uh, few decades ahead of you in life. You're, you're proof that that we're we're handing things off to some really good people behind us in the generations behind us. So I would love to, in the next uh, moments, unpack a little bit about your life. You're on the verge. This is what's exciting. You're on the verge of doing something that most little boys dream of. I dreamed of it, and I worked really hard to get there, and I wasn't good enough to get there, but you're about to. So we want to unpack a little bit about uh, who you are, where you grew up, your story, your your uh, baseball player, but then also tie it to the complexity of human choice and the, the power of human choice that we have. So Christian, first of all, you grew up where? I grew up in a town called Groves, Texas. Uh, it's really close to the Louisiana border, about 15 minutes uh, east of Beaumont, Texas. Yeah. It's the biggest <laughs> town next to it. So yeah. uh, You're helping yeah. us so we can find something yeah, on the map. Something, yeah. yeah, something on the map that's somewhat close to it. Yeah. And so uh, I grew up there. I Actually, I lived in Tennessee. It's called Inglewood, Tennessee for um, seven, right, right around six or seven years whenever I was younger. It's right in between the Chattanooga and Knoxville. Yeah. So it's like 30 minutes from me, both. So, and you were telling me you were in Tennessee because your dad's from there. Did it have anything yes, to do with music? Because uh, your dad has a he's he's a musician. Yes, sorry, he's a musician. He, uh, but it was for his work. I think he had an option. We could either stay in Texas or go to Tennessee, yeah. and we decided to go to Tennessee with because uh, we had other family there. So we ended up going back and forth a couple times. Yeah. But yeah. So te- would you? Co- what's home? Is that's Tennessee home or Texas home? Texas is home to me. Texas it's always, is that's, home to that's where I was born. So yeah, that's, yeah. You were born there, and then you were there from from, from ten on, from age ten, 10 to, until. Yeah. And then you were just telling me before we turned these mics on that the the two small towns they actually combined for a high school, right? Correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. So pretty big high school. You said it was five A. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then I asked you the question, which is interesting because I'm from Montana originally, okay. and that's what happens in Montana. But it's mainly because they're tiny little towns. <laughs> where two towns will combine for sports, but only certain sports. So they'll combine for a football team, but not for basketball, which is really interesting because you're teammates for one season and then rivals for another one. But that's not your situation, right? No, sorry. Everything, it was all together. All year round. So you you grew up playing with these guys in baseball and basketball and these different sports, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Even I I, uh, played for some teams like Houston is about an hour and a half from where I'm from. So... I would play for some more travel t- travel ball teams in Houston as I got older because yeah. I wanted to play like at some higher levels, some uh, some better competition, and just get the bigger name teams. Yeah. So it kind of helped get my name out there even more. And so that was kind of a little situation that my little, even my little brother's in now. So okay, so let me jump ahead in the story a little bit, and then we're going to come back because the listeners don't know the back the backstory here. So you're playing at ASU right now. You're a pitcher, yes, correctly. Sir. Correct. And then we have the draft coming up. And right now you're listed in like the top 100 players. Yes, sir. I am. It's uh, you know, it's been a blessing just coming off these last two injury years and uh, just having some, a couple of good outings and yeah. seeing your name pop up like that. It's something that I don't really think about much just because I just want to focus on the season, yeah. uh, keep improving. Yeah. Uh, 
making my getting better in my game, like, yeah. like my craft, my pitches, everything like that. So uh, it's definitely something that down the road I'm very excited about and looking forward to. But right now it's just kind of something that I just kind of put in the back of my head. Yeah. Just you're trying focus to focus on what's on in front of me right here. Yeah. Yes, sir. The, yeah. But this is what's interesting about it. That's why I wanted to jump ahead in the story. So 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 our listeners could understand. You, you know, barring injury or something that happens, there's a pretty good chance that uh, starting next year, you're playing professional ball. And that's, that is so cool because you know, you know how many young boys or girls, but uh, you, you know, we're two dudes. So two, you know how many young boys were in their backyard, throwing the ball, practicing, going to practice, dreaming of maybe doing what you are about to do, right? So yes, sir. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So let's back up then, all right? So now the audience knows that's where you are right now is you you potentially could be playing professional ball next year. So let's back up a little bit. So you're playing high school. What college was looking at you coming out of high school? So uh, out of high school, I had some some pretty big schools offer me. It was kind of my, my Texas A&M was my dream school to play at. And so uh, I had I was fortunate enough to play with Coach Childress, who was the head coach at Texano at the time. I played with his son on uh, they're called the Bandidos. So I was that was one of those teams out of Houston that yeah, well, I started okay. playing with when I was twelve. And so that already at that age, I had a, a good relationship with Coach Childress, his family, and me and his son were really good friends, and yeah. we, st- we still are to this day. Yeah. He uh, they're at Nebraska now. So uh, after okay. my there was a coaching change my freshman year, but uh, so I grew up, or not grew up, but played with uh, his son Max for a while, and just we had a really good relationship, and it just kind of kept going on until yeah. the point where I, it was going into my sophomore year of high school. They I went out to one of their they invited me out to one of their camps, and they ended up offering me uh, that next week. Yeah. So it was uh, definitely I had I think my first three offers came in two days so it was your crazy sophomore how, year in high school yes sir you're like you're like 15 or 16 years old i think you got I, d1 schools already saying hey we want you i just turned uh what's that i just it was before i turned 16 yeah so uh you're 15 now. i was 15 years old at the time and uh that's kind of how my little brother is now he just because he just uh recently committed to arizona state as well to play baseball as how a, cool is that so he's, he's gonna come behind you right because yes, this sir. is your this is your last season yeah, it it could be. Yes, yeah, sir. It could be it if could everything be. goes. Yeah, how goes to the plan and just yeah. trust God and let that. Yeah, let him do his ma- Let him work and. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's back up a little bit on that too. So you bring up your brother. Where you you have a couple of siblings, right? So yes, sir. Where, are you a middle child? I'm oldest, the youngest? second youngest. You're the second youngest. So yes, is sir. there three of you? Four of you? Yes, sir. There's three of or there's four of us. Four but of you. Three. Yeah, not, not including me. Yeah. Okay. So you're the second youngest. So you have a, are they your younger sibling is obviously in the sports where your older yes, sir. ones. My older brother was he played for he went to Centenary College of Louisiana for for short term and then uh, he's back he's back in Texas working now and uh, about to finish school and okay. so he's doing that and then my older sister is she's got two kids and she's married. Uh, they, she has an eight-year-old. His name's Preston. He's he's gonna be the best one of all of us. He's a, he's a freak athlete. Really, at eight years really? old. It's it's not even fair. So you're Uncle Christian. Huh? Oh yes, sir. Yeah, they they yeah. call me Uncle KK. Uncle KK. My, I like my it. niece. That's I think she's about to turn four. Yeah, yeah. I think about she's about to turn four. 
And so uh, I love them to death. They're always, every time I come into town or yeah. they come here, they're, they got to stay with me. They got to. <laughs> Are they in Texas? Yes, sir. They're in Texas. Okay. All, my, okay. all my family is back in that one, one yeah, little, in the, that area, Port Natchez Groves, yeah. Beaumont area now. So, so were you guys a big sports family? And then, and then on, on that baseball, like, were there any other sports you play or you guys all landed and just going like, Hey, we just play baseball. Well, growing up, me and my, my brothers, we all played baseball, basketball, football, all the way until high school. Yeah. So my little brother, he was, uh, he played, he actually had to quit playing, uh, other like contact sports cause he's had uh too many con he's had a couple concussions in the last okay. few years and okay. so football's so out, football out of the picture and he's had actually more concussions playing basketball than he has because he started <laughs> he was a, this year he was a freshman on varsity yeah. for the basketball team and for the baseball team now so really but he had to quit basketball because he yeah yeah he's he's not a lot smaller than the kids he's a tall kid he's probably six one six two at four, 15 years old and so uh he got elbow to the head dropped down like hit his head on the ground so he thought they the doctor said that was that was it for him like that was his yeah pretty much last concussions. right yes sir isn't it crazy watching your like it's you're you're seeing this right now i was an older brother i had a younger brother and you know the age difference you kind of dominate them for so many years but when they right. start coming into those years where they catch up with you it's kind of interesting isn't it yeah, you're, you're there now he's right? getting he's getting there he's uh he's definitely the best athlete out of all of the all the brothers so out of all of our siblings so his yeah he's he works hard he's i guess he's seen like kind of what it took for me to get to where i'm at and he tries to one-up me on all everything so i mean yeah. it's he's it's definitely he's in a very good spot and he's the hardest working kid i've ever met yeah. before so you seem like you guys are pretty close family oh yes sir we, are you yes sir we're very close we're, yeah yeah why, why do you think that is i just think it's just our the dynamic of our family we're all just love to be around each other we're people people or yeah everybody's people person so yeah. it's uh there's never a dull moment and so it's always <laughs> yeah. especially my little brother he's the he's the clown of all of us but uh it's always like there's never a dull moment it's always a good time with everybody it's just yeah love being around each other yeah so your parents must have done something though to 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 bring that out in, yes sir i think just family right what do you think they did just at a young age they were always i mean always around like sports just constantly just driving us everywhere and uh we, they would, we, we never really had video games growing up. Like we, we had like playstations and stuff, but we were never really playing those. Cause they, whenever we lived out in Tennessee, we were all, it was out in the woods. Like we had a front yard was massive. So we'd be outside just yeah. throwing baseball, playing football. Yeah. Uh, my dad would be out there with like, everybody would play. So it was just kind of like a thing as a, like, young, like a young kid that yeah. everybody would just do everything together. So yeah. Yeah. that's just kind of what my, my family's formed and yeah. st still to this day, like, my, whenever that my they can, my whole entire family comes out here. So you go, you you go to uh, Texas A and M. That's the school that you you go to. But you get a, you have an injury your first year, right? Yes, sir. So I uh, unfortunately my I had a couple just that summer in uh, coming into A and M. I had a pretty big jump in velocity on the mound. Uh, I went from at high school I would typically sit like 90, 92, 93. I would top of 94 every now and then and uh you were throwing a 92 sometimes a 94 mile an hour ball in high school yes sir wow but uh that's not even I, that, I, to this day like nowadays that's not even it really like there's there's kids throwing 100 in high school right now it's oh it's goodness. unreal oh my goodness but uh that summer leading into a&m i was up to i was one there was a couple outings where i was up to 98 and so that 
put too much stress on my elbow and uh, ended up having some nerve issues with that. Did it, was that before you even started playing for Texas A&M? Yes, or sir. During this, okay, so before I started, they 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 picked you up. You're going to go play for Texas A&M, but you haven't even you haven't even gotten into a game yet. You end up having this injury. Yes, sir. So I didn't have the full injury right then. It was I got back to I, whenever I got to A&M, we did a little couple procedure, there's a PRP injection. Just trying to calm that nerve down, the inflammation in my elbow down. And so uh, they went in to do an exploratory surgery. They, My nerve was swollen. Like it was yeah. inflamed big time. And then my UCL uh, just happened to be not fully popped off the bone, but it was on one side of it, it was just kind of hanging off the bone. So that was kind of, there was no like. Definitely can't pitch with that. Right. And there, <laughs> it's they call it like, there's no break stopping your arm. So in that case, it was just kind of just free oh, go. Like wow. it was. Yeah. Super, it was uncomfortable, sir. Okay, uncomfortable? Yes, I sir. said painful. You said uncomfortable. Okay. Uncomfortable. It it kind of – it didn't really hurt at the time. It just kind of – I felt like my arm give out. Yeah. And that was like the kind of cue for me that like there's definitely something up here. Yeah. And so and on, on top of the nerve, that it, the nerve didn't feel good at all. So that leads to the, the next surgery. I So I rehabbed it back from that first surgery to find out that it was done. It was done wrong. And the so surgery the was sur- done wrong. Yes, sir. So the first how how many months have gone by? uh, Almost a year. So I you've been rehabbing for a year. I got back to actually throwing bullpens and throwing in game again last season, my sophomore year at A and M. And so I was one of our starters there, and uh, I threw five starts. My first like my first outing before the season, I was up to ninety eight again. And uh, each week, I just there was a little drop in my velocity. So week one, I was like 95. Week two, I was probably around 92, 93. Uh, week three, 91, 92. So were you feeling any pain at this time? Or oh, you just was, like the velocity's going down? I was I was in a lot of pain. Like I was. Okay. So you know told, something's wrong. Yes, sir. And they, they put me on some uh, steroid, like the steroid packs to ease inflammation. And so they, it was my nerve. It was killing me. And so I was just like, there's, there's something wrong. I can't, I don't know what's going on. The doctor was like, it's a, it's that's normal for this to happen to the nerve. It's still taking time to get used to because they moved the nerve. They did the ulnar nerve transposition in that first surgery. Okay. So it was they just moved my nerve from under my like in that little groove, the funny bone. Okay. They moved it up above the out of that little slot that the typically runs through. Okay. So it was a weird weird procedure because they did. So it's hard to explain. Just, but just moving they, nerves around in your right, arm. Okay. It's, it's gonna do. It's, it's gonna take time to get used to. And so, uh, fast forwarding to the second surgery, I or my last outing before my second surgery, I completely lost all feeling in my arm. I lost, I couldn't grip the baseball. Like my my velocity was down to, up like mid upper 80s miles per hour. So which is, explain to someone that doesn't know baseball the difference between you said you were getting close 98, 99, and now you're down in the high 80s. Yes, sir. So if it, someone doesn't know baseball, what does that mean to them? Like that's a a huge drop off because like my off speed, like my slower pitches at the beginning of the season were harder than my fastball was at the end of the season, like at the end okay. of my time. Okay. So uh, going from 98 to 88 is a huge difference in yeah. fastballs. So it's uh, right, right off the bat. Like after I knew there was something up as soon yeah. as I saw that velocity decrease yeah. that quickly. And so uh, that led to me like, at the, my last outing, I lost all feeling in my arm. Couldn't grip the baseball. My strength was – there was no strength at all in my arm. And so uh, they ended up 
I ended up having some nerve conduction test. They like hooked me up to a machine, like put needles in my arm and started pretty much shocking my arm to see like yeah. where the where the nerve was responding, I guess, stuff like that. And they're like, there's definitely something up. So they I, that next week I actually had surgery, my second surgery on April first of twenty twenty one. Two. So coming up on a year year ago. Yes, sir. Right? Coming up on a year yeah. ago, and yeah. uh, so I went in for surgery, and immediately the surgeon they opened up my arm. The surgeon came out and told my parents like, Look, we don't know if he's ever gonna be able to use his arm again. Like there's something his his nerve is like pretty much not torn through, but from my the first surgeon left sutures in my nerve, and so it was cutting away at my nerve the whole time I was oh, throwing. And so that eventually led to me losing all feeling in my yeah. arm. And so uh, they were like, they, they called in a nerve trauma specialist. They, uh, they got, luckily he was able to save the nerve. He pretty much re, uh, he put an extra barrier around the nerve to like make sure nothing like else happens to it, keeps it in line uh, and where it's gonna, it, it was like stuck in one spot because of the sutures. Yeah. So now it can move freely like with the way it should be. Yeah. And so, uh, that happened and they weren't going to let me come back right away after that surgery anyway. So they went ahead. And since I, uh, my UCL was perfectly fine in that, in that procedure, everything looked good, but they went ahead and they called a hybrid Tommy John. They don't really, they didn't reconstruct the UCL. They just reinforced it. Okay. So they took a, a tendon out of my wrist and put it in the elbow to just kind of reinforce it and pretty much make yeah. it stronger. Yeah. And so that so was this is major surgery. You're going, yes, sir. Now, so when you get out of this surgery, like he came out during the surgery and said, this is bad. Right. It was, we a, don't know if he's going to use his arm again. When you came out of surgery, was it still like, we got to see, or was there a little more hope now? There was, there was hope. They ended up coming back out like later towards the end of the surgery and was like, he was able to save his nerve. There's, he's like, we don't know if he's going to have permanent nerve damage or not, but it's, there's a good chance he does. Uh, and so they were like. The good news is he'll be able to use his arm. He'll be able to pitch. He'll be able to do everything. So that was a big relief for my parents because they were whenever yeah. they came out the first time they were freaking out. And so, so they. It, but you didn't know that. They, I had he no, didn't tell you that. No, sir. Your parents was, told you later. Yes, sir. Because yeah. I was I was under. I was in surgery. I was. It was a five and a half hour long procedure. And then uh, whenever I woke up, I went under for surgery at ten o'clock that morning and woke up. I want to say around seven thirty that night, and I it was. It was, I was up throwing up. Like I was, I got really sick. I yeah. couldn't breathe. I was sweating. And so like, it was the, just, the I pain guess, or I guess it was the medication, the medication okay. and my blood sugar is, yeah. I they said it was just cause I needed to use the right. Yeah. yeah. I needed yeah. to yeah. go use the bathroom. But, uh, whenever I did use the restroom, everything just went back to normal. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird situation. That's the only thing I remember from like waking up is yeah. Yeah. the way I felt. So you had to be though, that had to be pretty discouraging. So you're, you have an injury, you have surgery, you come back, rehab for a year, and then you only play in a few games and you find out they messed up the surgery and now you're back to having to rehab again. And you have no idea. I mean, they're telling you it's hopeful. Were you pretty discouraged at this time or what, what would, were you feeling? It was kind of odd mixed emotions. I was just like, it's just another step, another just another bump in the road of like my goals and dreams. So yeah, it was kind of disheartening and kind of it was tough mentally at the beginning just like why like why is this happening again yeah. like so i just kept praying and kept thanking god just for blessing me to be able to play the game and uh so i just kept working kept rehabbing just yeah. never never had that mindset of like this is it like i can't play anymore so i've worked my way back and 
fully yeah. healthy now, no pain at all. Haven't had any pain since I woke up from that first, that second surgery. So really, so yes, you're rehabbing everything. You're you're you're, just, you're not feeling the pain that you were. Right. You know, you said something though, Christian, that I think is really interesting. First of all, I, I see that you you tend to have a really positive attitude. You seem yes, to be a really positive person. And I mean, psychologists have proven that helps tremendously. And that's really important, especially in athletics, just having that positive. But you also talked about having this this attitude of gratitude that you 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 were just thanking God that you could still play, that you're thanking God. Like, you don't know what's going to happen for sure. Right. But you're just thankful. Yes, sir. Like those two things seem like they had an effect then on you. Yes, sir. Just growing up, I mean, my whole family is just my grandfather was a uh, a pastor. He pastored a church. He traveled all over the country with my dad when my dad was younger just wow. church to church okay. like and so they went from all the way from california all the way to uh mississippi that's yeah. where they kind of so dad, you got you kind of grew up in a hearing about god and this, yes sir this, yeah yeah when when did you make your faith your own like you've mentioned a couple of things in this podcast that clearly you're a person of faith yes sir when, when did that become your own because i grew up i grew up to going to church and most people that do at some point in your life, you have to go, this isn't my mom and dad's. This is mine. I'm going to own this faith. When was that for you? Uh, it was, I want to say it was my seventh grade year. In seventh grade is whenever I gave yeah. my life to Christ. Uh, my uh, youth pastor back in Texas, he was like, we were very close, like really good relationship with my family. And he was one that baptized me and my brothers all together. So uh, it was, it was a really cool experience. And I mean, it was it was unreal the amount of like support and like the family we had there. And so it was, it was awesome. That's so, so you make that decision and this is perfect because this podcast is all about the power of choice, human choice and complexity of choice. That was a choice you made in seventh grade. How has that choice to become a follower of Jesus? How has that affected the other choices you've made and these last, um, I don't know what it is that eight years of your life or whatever. Yes, sir. I mean, it's been a huge like factor in all decisions I make. Mm -hmm. Like, cause you know, I, I could go out do all this, stuff like all a bunch of other people do like party drink and that's just not me as a person that's not who i am like i'm i think about my future before i think about the present like i like if the, i could be doing something that could be bettering my future i'll do that instead of something that could possibly harm it my dad's taught me that ever since at a young kid yeah. young age sorry about thinking about, of your future over yes, the sir. present that is huge that is massive you know one of the signs of wisdom is that you don't have to go through experiences to actually learn right you know i all of us do we all make mistakes in life and we all go through experiences but you you're 20 years old right? yes sir correct and you've already recognized that i don't need to go experience these things to understand that they may not be good for me they right may not be good decisions that's wisdom but i love what you're you're so your dad taught you from a year a young age that it's very important as you're making decisions or choices to think about your future over the present yes sir it's oh my goodness that's definitely that's been especially during baseball because like you got to learn like to listen to your body because that's they said if i would have kept throwing in that last game that my arm would probably be done for good because uh the nerve they said it could have been one throw it could have been a hundred throws like pitches well like, that's so interesting what you're saying christian because you're not just talking about moral decisions you know integrity decisions of integrity you're saying that when you were throwing you were listening to your body you knew something was wrong with your arm but if you wouldn't have paid attention to that and thought about your future over the present you might have just said I'm going to finish this game out or I'm going to, and you could have damaged your arm for good. Right. Right. They, there was a big chance that I, that nerve gets completely just cut in half, like yeah. cut in half. So it wasn't hanging on by a thread, but it was, yeah. it was pretty cut. It was cut through deep. Yeah. And so it was through that outer, that the thicker barrier of the nerve and it was working its way to the center of it. And 
once it gets to the center of the nerve, it's shot. It's like done. It, it's done. And this for. is the nerve they moved. Yes, sir. Is that, is that correct? Yes, yeah. sir. So it's. <laughs> I've actually never heard of that. That's so interesting when you said, "Yeah, they just moved a nerve." So okay, so yes, but you were listening, you were paying attention to that. So really, that advice that your dad gave you as a young as a young boy has has played out well for you in everything from your integrity, morals, even your physical health and and where you are as an athlete right now. Like you may not be playing baseball anymore if you didn't follow that advice. Right, yes sir. Pay attention. That's fascinating. Fascinating. Okay, so you leave A&M. How do you leave A&M or how do you end so, up over here at ASU? So there was some uh I say here cuz we're sitting in the <laughs> okay. There were some disagreements between uh, with the coaching staff at A and the New coaching staff at a and wanted to do with my scholarship and with me. So uh, they were. And we say new coaching staff because you so, played this guy you played baseball with. His dad was the coach. After, that was the big reason you wanted to go, right? Yes, sir. To Texas A&M. Yes, sir. Okay. And then after my freshman year, there was a coaching change. So that after my first surgery, there was a coaching sta- coaching change. And this new coaching staff came over to a- A&M. And honestly, I was not going to stay there until I, I was going to enter the transfer portal. And I ended up having a talk with the coaching staff and they told me what I wanted to hear. And so I ended up staying and it honestly, I probably would have made a better decision just to went ahead and entered the transfer portal. But uh, now that I think about it, but it's definitely like something that led me to 20, right? Right. But it did. Okay. So that was one of the things that ended up leading you here. If you would have gone in the transport portal, you may not be here. Correct. Transfer portal. Yeah. So um, how did you end up in ASU? A&M, they wanted to take my scholarship. They were pretty much calling me a liability that they didn't think I was going to come back as good as I as I was before. Uh, pretty much just kind of make me – I didn't feel wanted at all once I heard, mm-hmm. like, any of that. Mm-hmm. So I talked to my family. Mm-hmm. I was like – first off, my parents, whenever they heard that they were taking my scholarship, they were they were like, right, not, like you need to get out of there. You're, like, it's, you're gone, yeah. Yeah. It, it, did you let me ask you? Let me pause you for just a moment. Did that give you any doubts, or were you still like, I knew I, I knew I was going to get back, or, or did you have any doubts when the college you're playing for is doubting you? I didn't doubt myself. It just put a chip on my shoulder. Okay. So it was one yeah. of those like yeah. those kind of things where like I just said, screw this. I'm going to yeah. I'm going somewhere else, and I'm going to yeah. make a name for myself. And a little bit of I'll show you. Right. I'll yeah. prove myself to you. Yeah. That that was my mindset going into this. Like this whole portal process and uh so asu the first thing they told me on the phone was you're a you're an asset to us if we get you so, so it's almost the op- exact opposite. opposite of okay complete opposite of what i was being told in my previous school mm-hmm. and so it as soon as i said that it clicked yeah. and i yeah. fell in love with this coaching staff the school the uh the guys the players like we've all gelled together really well uh, i couldn't have asked for a better yeah a better alternative like yeah. Not alternative, but like a better, a fresh start. Yeah. So uh, it was it was it's been awesome so far, and now that my little brother's following behind me, and that's they, so the coaches, cool that he's coming they, too. Yeah, yeah. To, the coaches said they want the Curtis legacy to keep on going. So nice. It's nice. definitely been something that it's awesome. I'm gonna be more proud of that. So when did you transfer to ASU? Like, what do you remember? What month that was? July of July of this year. Okay. Or la- yeah. Last year. Yeah, just last July. Yes, sir. So. I was only, and then when did you show up here and start practicing with the team? We couldn't practice with the team until August since, like, when school starts, we can't do anything beforehand. Yeah. So once uh, school starts, there's, like, we have – it's called uh, individual, like, individual stuff. So you you can work with your position coach. You can't work as a full team. Yeah. So I, we would work with the pitching coach just, okay. like, 
it's called like pitch pfps it's just us pitchers fielding practice yeah and so it's just us like covering bases like fielding ground balls back to us getting it like the, the easy the simple place that should be made yeah so we do that kind of stuff but it was late august early september whenever we started like full practices and stuff so side question here how'd you think how'd you feel when you landed in phoenix because you had you ever been here before so I've been here once before. It was actually I came to ASU. Was it July for, or August? Like, did you feel like you showed was, up in hell? It was September. <laughs> it, was, it was September whenever I uh, came here. My junior year of high school, I played for a baseball team called uh, Evo Shield Canes National, and we had a tournament out here in Phoenix. We were playing at uh, forget which spring training facility it was. Yeah, but uh, it was actually when I first met my advisor or my agent at the time, and uh, that's. We had we were connected before then, but it was whenever I got to Phoenix that they saw me and they were like, "All right, we want this like we want this kid." Yeah. So uh, that's whenever we like made that the verbal agreement because I can't sign anything until I once I'm done like with ASU, so I can't sign any like contracts or with that agency until then. Okay. But uh, they saw me whenever I was 16, 17 years old, and they really they really liked me. So uh, I was actually came out here with you were on their radar for a while then yes sir the the agency yes sir and so i came to asu for a we were here in phoenix for that tournament and asu was playing colorado in football so we were and it was one of asu they were they were ranked at the time so we were like all right let's go and so us and me and some a couple buddies on the team we all just kind of got up and got an uber to the football stadium and yeah went watch the game and i was like this this is sick just like the scenery the yeah you liked the, it. Oh yeah, I loved yeah. everything about it. So that was my first taste of ASU and I was I told my parents like that that night I was like if anything ever happened to A&M like I I know where I want to go. And really? so this Isn't was Isn't that interesting this when was, you back up and look at that? Right. Yeah. It was crazy like and even like whenever I did transfer here people were like reaching out to do like interviews with me and like interview my family and they're like even after like he came here in September of like 2018 or 17 or no. 2019 yeah and they're like he said if anything ever happened to know this is where you wanted to be and it's crazy like to see that happen so now. it's yes sir yeah that is interesting so you just mentioned something that's it's interesting too and a lot of our audience may know there's a lot of rules for you as an athlete like what you can and can't do and as a co- collegiate athlete right but some of that stuff has changed recently too like the nil yes sir um what is that name what does that stand for name name, name image and likeness yeah yeah yes sir that's changed fairly recently right right so how is that for you as you're making choices and decisions you're saying that um, you can't even really talk to the the your agent. I'm allowed to communicate with communicate. him. I, we can't. Uh, I just can't sign any papers for it. like your advisors. So they're not considered our agents until yeah. they actually work for us. Yeah, and so you have to be done with playing. Done with, playing uh, college baseball. Yeah, and then you then you sign with them. Yes, sir. But what are your thoughts on that? The whole NIL college athletes paid. I mean, I, I know you're you're 20. You're not looking back on life with this right now. You're in the midst of it. But what right. are your thoughts on that? Because there's a lot. Of, there's people who think real positively about it, and some that think negatively about it. My son and I argue about it all the time. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's cool if it's uh, not abused. Like I feel like there's a some ways that it's being abused in sports. Like you can see like all the football stuff. Like people going to schools just for the money. Like it's get, my thoughts were. Whenever I, because I don't, I don't get nil money here. Like I, I did at a And M, but I don't here. I was in so it for interesting. Baseball. You were getting it at a And M, but you're not getting it here. Yes, sir. Okay. I was in it for baseball. I wasn't really in it for the the checks like each month, like mm-hmm. nil deals. And I was just wanting a fresh start. I didn't care about money. I was just wanting to 
be able to play and yeah. put my name back out there. And well, now, you know, and, and 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 sorry to interrupt you, but Christian, you can I can just hear it in your voice that I didn't know that that you had had that at A and M and you don't now, but it was clear from the way you described this that it's just like almost a rebirth for you in your sporting career yes, sir. at ASU and how much you're loving it and the connection and everything, but you actually lost money doing that. Actually, I gained. I got a bigger scholarship from ASU than okay. I I did at A and M. Yeah. So my school, everything's paid for. I just pretty much pay for my housing. Yeah. And so uh, it was, it was. I mean, that was that's huge for my family, especially the the cost of living here is a lot more than it is in College Station. So it was that was the only like downside. The, yeah. Not really even a downside, but they're paying less either way. Yeah. Or we're paying less either way of me here than I was there. So it it was definitely. I was getting money through NIL there, which would help, like I would help pay for my stuff. But yeah. uh, I mean, it's pretty much, it's gonna be the same either way now. So the NIL isn't really the reason for my decision of where mm -hmm. I went to school and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So it was yeah, just really specific baseball reasons only. Well, and I hear you saying the negative part of it that you see is that some people are making a decision solely based on money sometimes at a pretty young age then. Right, yes like sir. You, you, you know, we're seeing, in the news now, people that are 16, 17 years old that are being offered all of these things to go to a certain school. That's a pretty young age to be making decisions like that, isn't it? Yes, sir, it yeah. is. Yeah. Especially just based off money because they can pull that this whenever they want. Like it, NIL is not guaranteed. Scholarships are guaranteed, but NIL is just... I didn't it, realize that. So they could, right. you could make a decision, go to a school. You didn't make that decision based on the coaches, th things that you should really look at. Was purely on the NIL, and then they could just pull that midway through your freshman year. From what I understand, like you can't sign an NIL deal until you are at that school. Okay. So they can promise you NIL all they want, and before you even get there to okay. that on campus, uh -huh. and then yeah. you get there, and it's not what they say it is. Yeah. So that's you. Can, you'll see that everywhere. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know if it's. I mean, I think it actually happened to a, a quarterback that was committed to Florida. Yeah, they they promised him a certain amount of money, and he decommitted, and then and yeah. he's at ASU now. He just he was a freshman, or he's a freshman this coming up here. So it's, you you see that happen. And, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you had for a lot of years, you had schools who were making an enormous amount of money off of players, and they were making nothing. And some of them, you know, were playing and maybe didn't have any good scholarships, and they're barely eating. They're eating ramen noodles or something. Right. So it's it's like any 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 anything really in life. It's compl complex, isn't it? There's no right. You know, when I worked with the issue of poverty or human trafficking, or I think even with this issue, I always likened it to an onion. There's layer after you peel back mm -hmm. a layer, and there's another layer. You peel back a layer, there's another layer. It's it's a complex issue, right. isn't it? And like I'm not I'm not against nil. Like it it helps people out like mm -hmm. that are in need, like the guys that you're saying, like that are eating ramen noodles, like if they're yeah. able to get the NIL deals, it yeah. helps big time. Yeah. And so it's definitely something that like I, like every now and then I'll kind of look into it, just kind of just, just kind of see how the, how it like, I don't really pay, I don't pay attention to it, but I'll look and see like what's going on in the NIL yeah. stuff and just uh, kind of, cause I know there's like some guys that, on my team that get an IL money and I'm just like don't really care about it. Does but, it does it cause issues on teams? Like if you have some uh, players getting it, some that aren't, does it have you seen that or no sir, I there's they don't it doesn't cause any trouble because they're all they reach out themselves and they get the deals themselves. Okay. So like I I could, but it's yeah. just not a priority to me to yeah. reach out and like to get the big NIL deals and stuff whenever I'm just trying to focus on like my task at hand, just get better and stronger and just 
yeah. keep going out and competing every every Saturday. So okay, so let's let's jump back to baseball for just a split second. Then I want to get into the complexity of choice and human choice because you're on the verge of maybe having some things that are absolutely life-changing for you and maybe generationally life-changing for you. Yes, so sir. I want to jump into that in a moment, but just back to baseball for a second. So you you went through these surgeries. Um, you, you felt like, man, I can play at this level. I know I can get back to this level in rehab, but you are now, right? Yes, so you were talking about you went from a 98, 99-mile-an-hour fastball back down to the high 80s. Where are you at now? I've been back up to the upper 90s. I've been up. I've been up to 99 opening weekend here. So it was definitely a bit like a big sigh and like sigh of relief to know yeah. that like I can still do it. Like it's yeah. like I never, never quit doing it. So it's all, and everything has came back 20 times yeah. better than it was before. Like the movement of the pitches. So it's all just, coming together. Now oh, yes, sir. Doing, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's good stuff. And I've, there's been a, some big league clubs that are just like, this is, top level stuff like just keep trusting it doesn't they're like don't really pay attention to your numbers because i've i mean i've had a couple of rocky starts like it doesn't yeah. really yeah show like my my stuff yep. like i i've had a, some issues with control the last few weeks and so i'm like saturday i made a, a big big positive step forward and threw more strikes a lot more strikes and so it uh it's definitely like just small like the small i call that like a small win it's yeah. just like each week getting better at something and just those small like achievements add yeah. up in the at the end. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. something that I'll, I think about, like, don't think about the the past, just keep building, yeah. keep moving, keep building off the past for the, the future. So, yeah. you know what I wish I could do? I didn't play baseball. Um, I played a lot of different sports when I was growing up, but never baseball. I wish I could just stand in it because when you're talking about a 99 mile an hour fastball, and again, some of our listeners maybe have never played sports or baseball. I wish I could just stand in the batter's box pretending like I'm batting and, and, and just see what that's like. That's got to be awesome to have 99 mile an hour ball come in and just it's got to hit the glove for the catcher in a certain way. Right. That just, oh, it's, it, the that pop, pop is, is it's nice. It's especially like we have great catchers here at ASU. So they know how to catch the ball properly yeah. and it, Every time they do it, it has that that satisfying like the the yeah. bang. So, yeah. and it's it's definitely cool. But there's there's like that if you watch that Nolan Ryan documentary, or it's like the okay there's some Netflix documentary yeah. that's really cool that's got uh, the Nolan Ryan the the fastball. It's yeah. like 100 miles per hour and like so it's it's definitely something cool if you yeah. if you're not really into baseball and don't know much about the fastball, then that's definitely cool. Yeah, documentary or Netflix. Oh, I'll have to look watch. that up. Nolan Ryan. Okay. So the complexity of choice, the power of choice is what this this podcast is all about. You're going to be making some pretty big choices. You, you already have, but you're going to be making some massive choices. What are you doing right now to prepare for that? Like you could be signing a contract with a professional team. What are you doing to prepare for those changes in your life? So financially, I'm just trying to make wise decisions with my money. Like, so whenever I, if I do sign this year, just knowing what to do with it and they're like, putting it away, not touching it. My, my girlfriend's dad played in the NFL for quite a while. And so he's he's been through all that, this process that I'm going through. And uh, So you you have so mentors have in your men life, really, to helping you with this. Yeah. Right, and he financially, he did a really good job with the way he handled his, like, when he signed. Yeah. So I'm going to look at, look, look up to him in that aspect and get uh, advice from him and have yeah. him help me like where I need to invest my money into like what I need to do to mm -hmm. just for it to build and without you really having to touch it so that's definitely something that I have I have the assets and the the help that I need yeah. to in order to do that 
Yeah. So that's definitely a huge help for me. You know, you, you and you just interviewing you here, I've seen this as something that you've touched on a few times almost accidentally. But you've you have some good people in your life, don't you? Like yes, you sir. come from you have a good family. And but what I would suggest to someone if you don't have a good family, you can still go find a mentor. Right. But now you your girlfriend's dad is someone who's mentoring you and you've had some good coaches and such an important part of life and decision making, isn't it? Is having yes, mentors in our life. It is. It was even though they're they're big A and O fans, my girlfriend's family, they uh they are still they come out here every weekend that I pitch. They yeah. all, they all support me. They uh just huge I, yeah. I love them to death. Like they're they're awesome to be around. And so, yeah. so it's definitely from, a, they're from Texas then? Yes, sir. They must be. Okay. Yes, sir, they are. Okay. Oh, I really Christian, appreciate man. it. it we're, we are so excited for you, and I'm going to try to catch a game here in the next couple of weeks. So I know you already gave me a date before we turn the mics on. I'm going to try to come there, uh, watch you play. But uh, really excited for you. And, you know, clearly just doing this interview and things that I've heard, you're an amazing young man. And, man, I would just encourage you, the little things that you've shared with us as an audience, man, keep going down that path you know you have mentors in your life and i love what your dad taught you that that think of your future not just the present one of the dumbest things we do as humans is is when we make decisions not thinking about the future correct correct yes sir yeah yeah so man you i i'm excited about your future and uh can't wait to watch you and thanks thanks for being on here but we got to finish with this uh, i always do this with all our guests it's ironic uh, we're no gray areas, but I'm going to ask you to lie to us. So the audience has heard you. I've been talking with you here for about 40, 45 minutes. Uh, two truths and a lie. Now, I'm not going to. I think you wrote something down, I so did. I'm not going to peek. I, I don't want to cheat here. See if you can stump us. I've never been out of country. Okay. I'm a left-handed pitcher. Okay. And I have a golden retriever. Now, I know you're right-handed because I saw your scar before we turned the, the mics on. So I, that one's down. You're right-handed. I'm right-handed. Okay, so you're right-handed pitcher. Yes, sir. Okay, um, so now I have a 50-50 chance. I'm I'm gonna say the lie is that you've never been out of the country. No, I've I've, I've never been in our country. So I got it. So that that no, that's the truth. Oh, I've that's never, the truth. I've never oh, the, been out. You don't have a gold. You the golden retrievers? I do have a golden retriever. Oh <laughs> no, so I I'm not a left-handed pitcher. That's the lie. So I said I'm I'm a left-handed pitcher. Oh, I missed that. I missed that. Okay. I thought you said, I, oh, I got it. I got mixed up. So, okay. All right. Well, I got it. I failed it. I failed it. The audience might have heard you correctly and guessed right, but I just heard it incorrectly. So, all right. Well, hey, Christian, thanks again for being on here. We're really excited about your future. And man, just stay on the straight and narrow and keep fighting the fight, my friend. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate right. it. Thank you. Yes, sir. Incredible interview with Christian Curtis. What an amazing young man. The thing that stuck out to me the most was when he talked about focusing on your future over present. Take that away with you. And we would love to hear comments. You can leave them below or you can email me at info at nograyareas.com. Info at nograyareas.com. Remember to like, follow, and subscribe. No Gray Areas.